The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WHIO and Cox Media Group. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. We want to put you on the WHIO payroll. I want to win so bad. Win $1,000 cash five times every weekday. Now you're talking. The WHIO payroll payout is sponsored by Saka, the Southern Ohio Chamber Alliance. Always looking out for the best interest of small business owners. You're on WHIO. There is a season Welcome to There is a Season, the Bob and Gloria Show. This is the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. Uh, thank you very much for being with us here today. And Bob and I never forget, right? We remember today the lives of those lost on 9-11 in 2001. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's a somber day here. It's been 20 years, and I would hope that a lot of the young people today who, uh, you know, history sometimes only goes back to the previous week or maybe the previous month for some people in this country. Uh, I hope they really take in uh, a full appreciation of what occurred that day. Yeah. Um, at all So aspects. many won't ever realize what really occurred today. I was thinking some of my children, my children were like two, five, and eight, and only my eight-year-old really remembers that day. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's hard for it's people important to... that we continue to teach our children in their schools. Right, right. When I was growing up, it was uh, December 7th, 1941 was the thing always stuck in your mind about World War II. Uh, This was our era's uh, World War II. And uh, no, it can't be forgotten. There was a great deal of hardship that day. And uh, it's changed the the way we live our lives right up till now, right? So 457-1290 is the number to reach us today in our studio. 937-457-1290 as we've got a show like we've never done before. So get ready. Yes, get ready. It has been an interesting week. The dictator has issued his decree. And no, that's not me. As much as you might want to think it is. I'm not a dictator. Well, I'm close to a dictator, but not a dictator. Shall I fill in any of don't, that? And no. don't ask my kids either. The dictator has issued his decree. Whether the dictator is the man with his head in his hands as Americans died, or he's that guy who didn't have to wear a mask at his 700-person Martha's Vineyard party. In other words, we're not really sure who's calling the shots these days. It could be like that Putin Medvedev thing they did in Russia within the last 10 or 15 years. They kept trading places as president and prime minister. I don't know if you remember any of that, but... Nevertheless, it would seem that in the formula described by author Ben Gilmore as nudge, shove, shoot, we have seen an escalation, maybe having moved from nudge to shove in the vaccine war. And that's an interesting choice of words, Bob. Vaccine war. Yeah, a lot of people might think that's over the top, but... More and more people are not, whether they're on the attack regarding the vaccines um, or vilifying those who have not gotten the shot. Remind me to tell you about the Howard Stern comment this week. Okay. Or they're passionately defending their right to choose what goes into their bodies. The temperature in the debate about the COVID vaccine has gone up, way up. And the president seeking to redirect the country's relatively short attention span away from Afghanistan to other matters has now launched his latest offensive. Yeah, Afghanistan. Nothing to see here. 
but before we dive in further, let us just say the following. No matter whether you've gotten the shot or not, no matter whether you think they're helpful or life-saving. No matter whether you think they have too many short and potentially long-term side effects. Or whether you think they're ineffective. Or whether you think they result in less severe symptoms. Or whether they affect things like viral load. Or whether you think this should be between you and your doctor. Or whether private employers should have the right to make vaccinations a condition of employment. Or whether you've chosen to follow all the previous dictates of lockdowns, masking, and social distancing. The fact is, the king, the monarch, the dictator in our country, has spoken via an executive order that will affect over 100 million people, coming on the heels of other uh, executive orders that have already affected millions of people. Remember, there has been no legislative process. You know, our, our congressmen, our senators, they haven't touched this at all. There's been no landmark legal ruling, nothing of the kind, just the order that you obey. And the repercussions go far beyond those in the government or contracting with the government or companies that employ over 100 people. Virtually the entire economy will change because employment will change. Insurance will change. Maybe this is the last step to destroying the health insurance industry in order to move to a single-payer system. And it won't stop there. No, like all good statist policy, there is always room for interpretation and furtherance of a policy downstream. Look what happened with Obamacare, right? 2,000 pages not read by the Congress the night it was passed, 20,000 pages of legislation and rules and regs a week later. So let's say you're a contractor to a contractor for the government. Maybe you only have 25 employees. What's to stop your larger client from insisting you change your policies and mandate that everybody gets the vaccine? This mandate will likely put hundreds of thousands of businesses out of business as the spoils go to your competitors who obey, who comply. This is an uneven playing field and certainly not the first time the government has played favorites. I think the talent and brain drain too, Bob. There will be a lot of folks who do not want to submit. Whether they're proven medically right or wrong in the long run, it won't matter. Their livelihoods, their fortunes, the welfare of their families will be wrecked when the soft civil war of the vaccine continues. Soft civil war is really, uh, well, I said, you know, the vaccine war at the open. I think really it is where we're headed. Uh, it's interesting, too, all the bizarre angles. So it's estimated that some 30% of the illegal immigrants coming into the country don't want to get the vaccine. It's also estimated that almost a fifth of the tens of thousands coming over the border already have COVID-19. Doesn't matter. They are not obligated to get the shot. Also, standard employment discrimination has been thrown out the window. According to the U.S. Equal, Opportunity, uh, excuse me, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, you cannot be discriminated, discriminated against or receive unfair treatment because of, what are the big ones, race, color, religion, national origin, or any of the 31 varieties of gender you may subscribe to. But you can be based on whether or not you've gotten this vaccine. And while today it's the shot that does or does not get you into the restaurant or concert or a ball game very soon, it will be the determining factor in whether your child gets to go to school, in a school, or whether you'll get to keep working in that profession you've spent years building. What about exceptions for health and religious belief? Uh, there's a word that even that will be going away depending on what job you have. Wonderful. 
So we find ourselves on the brink in a way. It does not take much imagination to see how badly all of this could go. We recently have talked about this issue on There is a Season, but in a somewhat more loosely defined, almost philosophical way. What will you do if your employer mandates this or that? What would you do if your school district mandates this or that? It was the question we posed on those shows several weeks ago. But the game has changed, and regardless of what you think, in many ways, that doesn't matter. Or does it? Well, what I find so perplexing, Bob, is how many people keep talking about, quote, settled science. It's like no matter which evening news you turn on or commercial you see or social media blurb that falls out of there, you keep hearing about settled science. I often think most of the people who say that are just being kind of lazy. You remember uh, me talking about um, the stuff you learned back in grade school, and I forget what grade it is, fourth, fifth grade. You, You learn first about the scientific method You hear about deductive reasoning and inductive reasoning and uh, observation and hypothesis and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I don't want to say I'm lazy per se, but some of that (laughs) stuff does put me to sleep. I know the the terms might cause you to glaze over a little bit. right. (laughs) Maybe it is just the terminology, but the reality is we learn that stuff in science way back in school. We all do. And we also learn that most of science is anything but settled. We wonder, we hypothesize, we observe, we test, we study, we measure and adjust and all that stuff. And we do those things all the time in our own lives, right? We don't run out and buy the first car we see. We don't buy a half million dollar house just because it looks great, right? We just don't, we don't Most act that way. Most of us don't, but some do. Well, you know, there's, yeah, some people are idiots. I mean, look at what's going on today, right? Yeah, I mean. I mean, whether we think about it or not, most of us, most of us would like to say we use reason, and emotion and experience and knowledge passed on by others and that we're still open to learning. Yes, which is um, is why so many scientists, particularly in the country, are so incredibly frustrated and dismayed by their colleagues who have stopped questioning in this mad dash to get everybody vaccinated, no matter you know whether it takes a nudge, shove, or a shot. And just to give some um, clarity to that, We pulled up uh, some interesting things. And this is not to make light of anybody who's gotten the vaccine or of COVID itself or or wherever you're To say that COVID isn't a bigger deal than some of these things. It's more to make a point. But these are some things that in the past, in previous centuries, and even in the last century, were things that were commonly taught or used or promoted as medical practices and theories. One of them was children's soothing syrups. Tell us about that. Yeah, so do you have a particularly annoying and rambunctious child or perhaps your child is experiencing problems during the teething stage? Never fear, Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup is here. This was designed to calm and relax whoever or whatever it was given to. Left the patient free to carry on with their daily lives uninterrupted by the incessant bawling of an upset child. You're darn right it had to better relax them. What would you have just given your child was a deadly cocktail that included morphine, cannabis, heroin, powdered opium, and a mixture of other crazy substances. Not only would it totally mellow out a child, but quite often said that child would wind up dead. So so there, there was one thing. Mercury was another one, right? Sounds like a pretty good uh, cure for just about anything. Mmm, mercury. It might not now sound that way. People might say it's dangerous these days, but it certainly would have appealed to people in the past. It was even found in Egyptian tombs dating back as far as 1500 B.C. 
It was believed to cure ailments, heal wounds, prolong life, and a whole bunch of other things. And that was just another one that was heavily promoted in the past. And heroin for coughs, okay? We all know about heroin nowadays. Most of us understand that the drug heroin is indeed not good for us, right? And for some of us, it provides a decent income. Not me, of course. However, I'm sure all of us will balk at the prospect of it being marketed as something to take for simple coughs and wheezes, whilst at the same time being said to be non-addictive, right? But this is exactly what the German pharmaceutical company Bayer, to this day a very successful company, did at the end of the 19th century and for some of the 20th. Got a cough? Here, indulge some heroin, my dear. Heroin was also marketed as something that could treat morphine addiction, but shortly afterwards the company faced slight embarrassment when it found that it's metabolized into morphine in the human body, thus making it a faster-acting form of morphine, which so is deadly. We don't have time for all of these, but just we're, we're saying this for a reason. There's a whole slew of these things, lobotomies, bloodletting, electrical impotence cures, uh, ear candles. I mean, it goes on and on. There's all kinds of things that were at one time considered the science, the prevailing science of the time, and heavily promoted. And the point we want to make here is what would have happened— had the government in those times chosen a winner, as they saw it, and said, you must use this, you must use this method, this treatment. And if all the media, which is mostly newspapers back then, would have said the same thing all at once, this is the cure for your child who's rambunctious. This is the cure for your cough. This is the only thing you can do. We're going to leave it there as we go to the break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the frustration that a lot of scientists and other people across the country have felt in not hearing the broader story, alternative viewpoints, all of that when we come back. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. You know, the world's been living with COVID-19 for more than 18 months now. And uh, a lot of people think this is the new normal. And if you haven't developed a natural immunity to the virus, there are a half dozen or so COVID-19 vaccines and candidates publicly available to you or in the approval stages. All this is going on. If you think back over the last year, we've had enormous economic disruption, inflation, supply chain disruptions. We've had physical and mental health issues all across the country. Suicides have risen. We've had a huge impact educationally and developmentally for our kids, right? How much time did they miss in school? What has been the nature and the quality of their education? And all of this has sort of uh, been unfolding, but there's been one constant message, message all the time, which is get the shot, get the shot, get the shot. Yeah. How is it that 18 months into a pandemic with multiple options for vaccination and a diminishing disease state, experts are still being shut out of the public conversation? It's unacceptable. Um, as we head into a viral season and a supposed fourth wave of the disease in the coming months, which we're in that, it's imperative that vigorous debate is once again opened and that we end the pandemic on a high note with early and aggressive outpatient treatment, many say. Right. And it's, it, it's not our goal here right now to tell you to get the shot, not to get to the shot. What we have always wanted to have here is some open dialogue, some people wrestling with the major issues and, and saying, well, okay. You know, maybe things aren't settled. Maybe things are evolving. We're learning more each day. 
Well, Brian Parsons, who wrote for American Thinker, took this issue up, and he said, as someone married into the medical community, I was exceedingly frustrated with how this whole disease was politicized from the beginning. I wasn't interested in looking to lay blame for the disease. I try to live my life in the best manner. I know to protect myself and my family, unlike certain governments around the world, the Politburo and and some communist nations who wish to take that responsibility for themselves in the pursuit of control. As someone with over 50 family members who have contracted COVID, I am acutely aware that it eventually affects all of us in some manner. My greatest disappointment lies with the medical community who largely abandoned vigorous scientific debate and adopted a subservient position to top-down political authority. Now that vaccines are here and the calls for draconian lockdowns or masking have begun to reemerge, it's time for medical science to return to vigorous debate. Then he will go on in here and he talks about world-renowned internist and cardiologist Peter McCullough. Many of you may recognize that name who had spoke in front of several governmental bodies, voicing his frustration about how the medical community had managed COVID-19. Chief among his complaints was the abdication of responsibility in managing the disease in its earliest stages to prevent hospitalization. You or someone you know likely experienced the go home until you can't breathe protocol, given that the entire purpose of the lockdowns was 15 days to slow the spread and to protect hospital capacity, McCullough found zero justification provided for neglecting an aggressive outpatient medical approach to keeping patients out of the hospital. And he wasn't alone in this critique. And that's just scratching the surface. What we want to talk about here in our next segment after the news is people like Dr. McCullough and many other very bright people around the world who have been pushed to the sidelines, have been sidelined. And what we want to ask you to do is to think, do other people have some things to report back? Do we have some alternative viewpoints regarding this whole COVID thing compared to what you've heard in the mainstream press? All of that next, right after the news when we continue. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7, WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. This is the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. And today we're talking about something that we feel everybody should care about, which is other people's opinions uh, about the whole vaccine issue. Um, a lot of people would like to treat this as settled science, and therefore nobody nobody has anything to say about it, and we should be done and just move on, move on, right? Because the government, some experts have said to do A. And we're um, not talking about just like opinions, just like, hey, you know, I don't think we should get... These are people who've maybe done some additional research looking into some other people's opinions who yes. are also considered experts in their field. Right. And there's a lot of them out there. And we went into the break here for the news talking about Peter McCullough, who had largely been uh, marginalized. And uh, Brian Parsons wrote about this in the AmericanThinker.com. And, and Dr. McCullough was very frustrated. And he says, uh, his, well, we know that his protest echoed many of those levied by much of the medical community who felt as though alternative voices had been silenced in the public square. As we saw with the America's Frontline Doctors Organization, a consortium of independent physicians who boldly stepped out in support of medical debate on COVID-19, any dialogue was sharply frowned upon and squelched. 
We saw the same with Yale epidemiologist Dr. Harvey Rich, pulmonologist Dr. Pierre Corey, and many others who promoted aggressive outpatient treatment with readily available and inexpensive therapeutics like monoclonal antibodies, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and others. Yeah, you haven't merged much. You haven't heard much about these alternate approaches. Whether you think they're right or not, they were worth talking about. There has this idea that there was a singular solution. And here, I have one theory about this, which is I think we have become such a pill society, such a quick fix society, that when the vaccines came out, people thought, "Oh, well, that simplifies everything. We've got the silver bullet. We've found the holy grail to solve this incredible pandemic we're in the middle of." Right? I, I think that's part of what. Animated yeah, this. and I think part of it also was this rush to to squelch the pandemic. Um, do anything, do anything, do anything right. really fast. Yeah, so so the vaccine was a way to kind of wrap your mind around it and say, well, gee, that person in the lab coat up there, or Dr. Fauci, or or even Trump back when he was looking for a solution, they were like, ah, oh, great, we can't wait for it to get here. This this will solve the problem, right? And even though we don't, we didn't know. There's a lot of things we didn't know and still don't know. There is stuff that we'll talk about coming up here. You know, the in Israel, their data right. is unbelievable. That maybe the vaccine isn't the quick, huge, complete full circle, or or cure. maybe it's not the singular solution. solution. I think that's what bothers right. us the most here. And, right. and and the government's response to these alternate viewpoints, these leading experts and other physicians around the world, was to take the options out of the hands of these physicians and and getting state pharmacy boards to ban access to things like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and other kinds of medications to just remove them as solutions. This runs contrary to the notion of practicing medicine and physician discretion. In the absence of alternatives in the face of this novel disease, says Brian Parsons, doing nothing has never seemed a reasonable alternative. Yet this is exactly the response of much of the medical community. At a minimum, patients needed for practitioners to instill hope and positivity and not fear and gloom. Their refusal to engage in disease management early on when people had symptoms and just sending them home, well, that signaled that their patient was left to fate and to chance. Though Peter McCullough is one of the most published internists in the world, the powers that be have censored his medical expertise across social media when it didn't comport with political agendas. Just last week, Twitter once again suspended McCullough's COVID-19 response panel for spreading alleged medical disinformation. And we're all too fortunate that Silicon Valley employs social media interns to keep those rogue world-renowned experts in line. It's interesting, too, how people use the phrase medical disinformation. So if anybody wants to throw that phrase at you, right, and they have the upper hand, they have the bully pulpit of the, the, the president or they have, you know, the mainstream media, they could say anything, right? They could say um, it's, it's misinformation for you to call cats dogs and dogs cats or, or you know, you, you can make up anything and say it. And somebody could say that's medical disinformation instead of saying, wait a minute, let me evaluate that. People have put a label on things ahead of time. Right. If you're if you are um, against this vaccine in particular for reasons that we've mentioned or other research you've done, you're considered a just a kook, a kook or a conspiracy theorist. And it's like, no, I just there's other stuff out there. I need right. to examine this. I and need that, to make a choice for myself. That's why we gave those examples as absurd as they sound about past medical treatments. And there's all kinds of stuff that falls into that category. The flat earth. The, the Copernican versus the Euclidean view of the universe. Where was the world in relation to the sun? 
other things that, you know, the explorers figured out over the centuries. Science is rarely settled. Things evolve. People learn things as time goes and on. And that's what we're pointing out here. Not pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine. That science is always evolving and people are always finding new things out as they progress. Instead, in people have gotten so uh, full of rancor. You were mentioning the Howard Stern thing. What did, what had you heard um, this past week? He, he made a comment to those who were vaccine opponents. Blank your freedom. I I want to protect my own health. Right. Lest we've all forgotten the science that isn't brought up on a daily basis, which the CDC has actually confirmed that vaccinated people carry just as much viral load as an unvaccinated person. Yeah, but nobody wants to say that, right? It doesn't fit the, so the they, thing. And, and, and the thing of it is the, the level of rancor is unbelievable. Jimmy Kimmel this past week was saying something about people should be, if they go to ER rooms, should be allowed to die just or die something. die in the hallway. Okay. Not be seen. That's so that's not intelligent not, debate. No. What is prompting that's such right. extreme reaction to alternative views? And this affects us at the medical and scientific level. It also affects our, our freedoms and so forth. And apparently Howard Stern doesn't care about that. And a lot of people don't. You know, I get that. But what, what's happened to the dialogue in studying things as it evolves, to learn as we go, to say, hey, wait a minute. We, we don't have a one-size-fits-all. This is not a perfect solution. Right. Here's a perfect example. This article comes out of science.org, very reputable a uh, widely sourced uh, organization, also with the magazine that they've, they published for years. And the headline is this, a grim warning from Israel. Vaccination blunts, but does not defeat Delta. Yes. It, they say, now is a critical time, Israeli Minister of Health Nitzan Horowitz said, as the 56-year-old got a COVID booster shot on the 13th of August, the day his country became the first nation to offer a third dose of the vaccine to people as young as age 50. He went on to say, we're in a race against the pandemic. Now, his message was meant for his fellow Israelis, but it is a warning to the world. Israel ha has among the world's highest levels of vaccination for COVID-19, with 78% of those 12 and older fully vaccinated, the mass majority with the Pfizer vaccine. Yet the country is now logging one of the world's highest infection rates, with nearly 650 new cases daily per million people. All right, that bears repeating those two things right there. 78% of those 12 and older fully vaccinated in Israel, and yet the country is now logging one of the world's highest infection rates with nearly 650 new cases daily per million people. You haven't heard yes. this in a lot of places. And more than half of those 650 new cases are fully vaccinated people, underscoring this extraordinary trans the um, extraordinary transmissibility of the Delta variant and stoking concerns that the benefits of the vaccination ebb over time. We know that. The sheer number of vaccinated Israelis means some breakthrough infections were inevitable, and the unvaccinated are still far more likely to end up in the hospital or die. But Israel's experience is forcing the booster issue onto the radar for other nations, suggesting, as it does, that even the best vaccinated countries will face a Delta surge. Many believe also, too, if you study immunology and virology, that we are in effect chasing the virus like whack-a-mole. You go after the original COVID-19, Delta springs up. You go after Delta, and what's the new one? That's uh, the, the, the Moo. Moo. The Moo. And then you smack that and something else will, will pop up. Uh, there, there's a, a lot of school of thought on that. So uh, Ran Balser, Balser, he's the chief innovation officer for 
Khalid Health Services, Israel's largest health maintenance organization, says this is a very clear warning sign for the rest of the world. If it can happen here, it can probably happen everywhere. Yes. Israel's being closely watched now because it was one of the first countries out of the gate with vaccinations in December 2020 and quickly achieved a degree of population coverage, as we mentioned before, that was the envy of other nations for a time. So the nation of 9.3 million also has a robust public health infrastructure and a population wholly enrolled in HMOs that track them very closely, allowing it to produce high-quality, real-world data on how well these vaccines are working. I watch the Israeli data very, very closely because it is some of the most, uh, or the absolutely the best data coming out anywhere in the world, says David O'Connor, a viral sequencing expert at the University of Wisconsin. Israel is the model, agrees Eric Topol, a physician scientist at Scripps Research. It's pure mRNA uh, vaccines that are out there. It's out there early. It's got very high-level population uptake. In other words, like we just said before, almost four out of every five people have had it. It's a working experimental lab for us to learn from. Israel's HMOs, led by uh, I think it was uh, Khalid Health Services and Maccabi Healthcare Services, track demographics, comorbidities, and a trove of coronavirus metrics on infections, illnesses, and deaths. We have rich individual-level data that allows us to provide real-world evidence in near real time, Balasser says. He's the CEO. The United Kingdom also compiles a wealth of data, but its vaccination campaign ramped up later than Israel's, making its current situation less reflective of what the future may portend. It has also used three different vaccines, making the data harder to parse. Now, the effects of waning immunity may be beginning to show in Israel's vaccinated in early winter. Okay, they pointed out that people vaccinated in January had a 2.26 times greater risk for a breakthrough infection than those vaccinated in April. Right now, interesting. This is this is the, the main take here. Israel's sobering setback. They have led the world in launching vaccinations and in data gathering, is confronting a surge of COVID-19 cases that officials expect to push hospitals to the brink. Nearly 60% of the gravely ill patients are fully vaccinated. Yeah. Now, again, that's worth repeating. 60% of people who are fully vaccinated, whether it's one shot, two shot, a booster, whatever you want to say, in this country, in this incubator. Now, what is it? Is someone going to say something about Israel and its place in the world geographically? Something about the Jewish faith? Or something? They're going to make up some weird thing? Why is it that after millions of people have taken this vaccine that we're seeing this? That doesn't mean it's not going to work for you or for somebody else you know. This is data, though, that people are not talking about. This is stuff that is out there that is not being reported. Right. And, you know, how much of the current surge is due to waning immunity versus the power of this Delta variant um, to spread like wildfire? It's uncertain, right? But what is clear is that breakthrough cases are not the rare events that the term applies, you know, that we're hearing about all the time. It's not that rare. In, uh, in as, as of um, August this month, 514 Israelis were hospitalized with severe or critical COVID-19. This was a 31% increase from just four days earlier. Of these 514, 59% were fully vaccinated. Of the vaccinated, 87% were 60 or older. There are so many breakthrough infections that they dominate, and most of the hospitalized patients are actually vaccinated. So... 
you're looking at this and you're saying these people are, are in the field. They're dealing with this right now. As many people around the country in our own town are dealing with these breakthrough and the cases in this enormous uptick in Delta. But it's raising the question. We were supposed to have a solution, right? We were supposed to say, just get the shot. There's been advertising. There's been celebrities talking about it. The president, nonstop. Just get the shot and it should go away. Well, this is a case where it's not. Right. Uri Shalit, a bioinformatician at the Israel Institute of Technology who has consulted on COVID-19 for the government, says one of the big stories from Israel. Here it is. Vaccines work, but not well enough. So that's where we talk about what about this other stuff? Why can't we consider some of these other things? Why only vaccination? Why is that the only thing being discussed openly? And there's a lot more in this article. It goes on and talks about the burden on the hospitals. It talks about um, how boosters may or may not have value uh, going forward. Um, But they're saying that a lot of times the, the boosters are probably not likely to tame the Delta variant or some of these other ones coming along. And the final message that they say in this article called uh, a grim warning from Israel, vaccination blunts but does not defeat Delta. The final message is for the United States and other wealthier nations considering boosters, do not think that the boosters are the solution. And that's all you're hearing right now. You're hearing get these shots, get another shot, get another shot, get another shot. And we want to say, wait a minute, there could be other things that should have been done all along and maybe we should be thinking about doing some different things going forward. And Israel does keep really good data. We've got a little bit more on this uh, on the other side of uh, the break here and a couple of other things to share with you. So please stay with us. You are listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. If nothing else comes of this show, this week's show, all we are encouraging you to do is to ask questions, to think. Now, you may have already gotten the shot, and there are some people out there who are perfectly confident and happy they've gotten the shot and they feel protected. Other people may have a certain buyer's remorse going on having learned certain things that they didn't want to hear about some side effects and all that kind of thing. Whether you have gotten it or not gotten it, don't stop learning. Don't stop questioning. Some ways you can do this is by digging into some research. And we've got a number of different sources for you. Yes, the first one would be to check out alexberenson.com. Some articles that we've spoken of today, science.org, nature.com. And the last one that we haven't mentioned would be the FLCCC. Uh, that stands for the Frontline Critical Care Alliance. And this is a group of highly published, world-renowned critical care physicians and scholars. And it also includes the British Ivermectin Recommendation Development Group. You'll also find media sites and websites of every part of the political spectrum out there. We encourage you to read both. Go to each side. We also yeah, we talk about that sides. pro-con site, P-R-O-C-O-N dot org, I think, which is a fairly balanced thing that tends to summarize both sides of issues. Just continue to learn as opposed make, to... Yeah, you know. make good decisions based on both sides of an argument, right, right. not just one. And we'll go beyond in um, this next few weeks a discussion of essential docs and other basic emergency preparation that fall under the caring for your family umbrella. And that's a show you won't want to miss either. Well, the, and the show is going to be uh, talking about um, are we as Americans sleepwalking into a conflict we're not prepared to handle? We've alluded to it today. We've used the term vaccine war. 
are we headed toward things here that are beyond us? And yeah, we've done shows on essential docs and how to be prepared in cases of emergency, especially when, you know, nature, you know, does a turn and, and, and you know, how do you prepare for a lot of that kind of stuff? Yeah, uh, nature is a powerful thing. You know, I think oh. I was hearing some commentary on that. You know, you can only prepare so much. Nature's got its own right. agenda. And the, what we're going to get into in this show when we discuss it is a, kind of a different mindset. There's an awful lot that we've talked about on this show and other people have discussed about where our country is heading. And you can make uh, speeches, you can write articles, you can do blogs, you can get in the well of the Senate and make some, some big impassioned speech. The person we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks here takes a different approach to this because they've had in the field tactical training in a military way. And what they have seen and what they uh, have to share with us will talk about what you really need to do in times of crisis. And that's going to be a show that you do not want to miss, as Gloria said. And we're going to close with this now. This is just one other aspect of things that kind of touches on what we're doing here. In the chapter, The Origin of Ambition and the Distinction of Ranks, one of the leading authors at the founding of our country, Adam Smith, reflects on why people were so deferential to people with power and authority. Or as he put it, why are we so... Uh, uh, why are we so obsequious to our superiors? He provides a number of answers to that question, but one that is very interesting is the notion that we do so not out of some expectation of personal benefit or fear of punishment, but out of a feeling of admiration for the advantages of their situation, kind of like idols, celebrities, right? It's an important passage, and Smith notes that a rational person would resist, depose, or punish a king as the public conveniency may require, but most do not. We have so internalized our love and respect for our rulers, for authority, that we submit to them for their own sake. And they forget the easy price at which they may acquire the public admiration. When the people's resentment at their mistreatment by rulers reaches the point of violence, as it did with King Charles I in 1649, the people are quickly remorseful at what they have done. Compassion soon takes the place of resentment. They forget all past provocations. Their old principles of loyalty revive, and they run to reestablish the ruined authority of their old masters with the same violence with which they had opposed it. I don't know if you could follow all that, but Adam Smith's got some interesting commentary for where we are in the world today. And the point is, we tend to, a lot of us, act like sheep. We tend to Honor the experts, honor the authorities, and not question. Either we're lazy or we're deferential to the point of danger. And so you don't need someone coming up there as a military, dict a military dictator all the time to take your life over. It can happen in by, you know, death by a thousand cuts. Whew, okay, that's my speechifying for today. Uh, that's all we've got time for. If people want to learn more about us, what can they do? They can go to Bob and Gloria. There is a seasonshow.com. You can also put all your angry or happy comments out there. And if you want uh, any of the information we've shared with you today, we'll be happy to point you to how you can find that good information. To everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, and it's time for us to go. Remember, dear friends, seek grace in every step you take and never regret growing older. It is a privilege denied to many, as we know this weekend. For Gloria Shanahan, our producers, and everyone who makes this show possible, we thank you for spending some time with us. You're listening to There's a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk. Have a blessed week. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk.